Um, but the topic that we're going to dive into today, well, I better pray. I won't do this. Okay, let's pray first. <laughs> Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for the opportunity we have to come and gather in your name and learn about you and hear from um, your word what you have to say. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me and that you would teach everyone here, including myself, something um, applicable to our walk with you. Amen. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about parables, why they exist, and you know, what you should know in terms of context. But before I get into that, I was kind of thinking, like, when I was thinking about it, it you guys know the little, like, saying that, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and is it really in the eye of the beholder? And are things really beautiful in their own right? Like, I don't know, like babies or like diamonds, are they actually beautiful? Or are they only perceived as beautiful because the, the eyes that see them see them that way? Um, or both? So that's, that's an interesting question. I think it's kind of through the years gone and made a lot of people think. Um, but a similar kind of thought or a similar concept exists within the sphere of our faith, Christian faith, um, and it's definitely present in the Bible. Jesus acknowledges it. Um, and it's basically, wisdom is in the ear of the listener, which doesn't even sound that nice, but it's, you get the point. Um, is it, you know, is the saying itself wise as a person that's listening it, um, perceiving it as wise? Um, so I guess what I'm gonna explore is what Jesus has to say about this um, and how he has a very subtle but intentional tool, which is parables, um, to discriminate between or distinguish between ears that hear and those that don't, okay? Shifting a little bit um, before I get into like the passages and stuff. So in this day and age, I don't know who's into this, but if you want to like really understand human psychology and you know get really deep about human thought, um, you have to go to Reddit and read what people have to say because it's <laughs> crazy. Um, I don't recommend that you do if you haven't, but if you are, like, you remember this is true. Um, so, without a need to kind of do all the formalities of studies and participants and all that, I've decided to run a little study of my own um, and I used Reddit as my search engine so I can learn about people's thoughts and the question that I was kind of answering as I was just like flicking through like Antichrist subreddits was how do non-Christians or non-believers react to Christian claims or principles or morals or teachings um, when they hear it and I found some pretty interesting ones some of them are like pretty Serious. That was a joke, so you can just... I'll read, I'll read three. Um, so this first one says, in a very angry tone, Am I supposed to love him, be filled with him, washed in him, talk to him unceasingly, become him until there's nothing left of me, or am I supposed to fear him? That sounds like the most toxic... That bad words. Relationship. Is he a loving God, or hateful, vengeful, narcissistic, jealous God? Which one is it? And then another guy was, or a girl was saying, 
what's sad about religion is it's actually convinced people to care more about the invisible being that no one ever can describe or understand and probably doesn't exist rather than actually living uh, the living breathing humans that are around them that's pretty sad true that is sad um the last one is funny um to lighten the mood by Mata underscore Fitzgerald, he was good, says, I was thinking about how I'd be pretty annoyed if someone, uh, if something amazing I did at work, um, if I did something amazing at work and at the next staff meeting, they were like, we would like to thank God for this awesome spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so the conclusion of this study is, as you guys would be able to probably see that in your own lives, is that people who don't, know God or the world people that aren't you know um, in relationship with God they hate it they hate to hear the, the, the good news they, it doesn't land on their ears the same way it would you'd think it would or every, on your ears maybe um, and the world is blind to the message of Christ um, generally so We'll dive right into then the scripture. So, we have a circle, that means I don't have to read this one. So, everyone pull up your Bibles and go to Matthew 13. Who wants to read one tonight? No And who wants to read 18 to 23? That's like five verses. True. Yeah, no worries. Beautiful. So, Rachel, you can start us off. One 13, to one to nine. 13, one to nine. Matt, 13, one to nine. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. All the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of rich, riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So let me just quickly reword the um, So the story is about a farmer 
and he has heaps of seeds, and it's that time of the year he just goes to sow his seeds, and his in this room that was like where he's throwing it, and some of them land on the footpath, and the birds eat it, nothing happens. I mean, the birds eat it, but no trees. And then some land in rocky ground, and then you, he gets some sort of um, plant, like shoots coming up, but quickly they wither and die. And then some go to thorny soil, so they grow up in that kind of environment, and then the thorns kind of choke them out and they die eventually. And then some seeds land in good turtle soil and they become good trees because they fulfill their purpose. So they make a lot of fruit. Cool. So this parable is kind of complex in the sense that it directly kind of teaches us, you know, has something to say about. Um, spiritual sensitivity and what that means and like and how you have to be kind of you not have to be but there's a difference between you know um being insensitive or sensitive spiritually to hearing god's word and how it works in you and how that's the role of the holy spirit in that as well but it has a deeper layer in that jesus kind of demonstrates why he uses parables while teaching this okay so i'll, I'll explain that a little bit. So quickly just go through each of the foil, four uh, soils and kind of what they represent. And they represent people and their responses to God's word. So there were seeds that fell along the footpath, like we said, and because it's withered soil, um, the seeds take no effect, they don't sprout. And that kind of teaches us or tells us about um, group of people who Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 teaches that their minds were blinded okay, by the God of this world, which was Satan, who is referring to, um, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. Um, so there's ones that, you know, there's unbelievers that, um, you know, the claim here is that they don't have ease to listen in that sense. Okay. And then there's seeds which fall on rocky ground, like we said. Okay, and this group kind of has the initial faith or enthusiasm to um, respond to the word, I guess. You know, that's commendable, but because they there's a lack of commitment or desire to seek God um, and endure through those tribulations that come with following um, Jesus, they tend to have like their faith and to wither, wither away as well with time. Okay. And there's seeds which fall among thorns and in a similar kind of sense um, they have you know a spiritual growth that becomes stunted and dampened by the other idols in their life. So you know Jesus says you can't serve two masters. Uh, it's either God or in a broad sense material things. Um, and that's kind of another group that become distracted or end up serving other things that become idols in their life. And like we said, um, the seeds that fall on good soil, um, that's a group that has ears to hear the news, the good news of God. And, um, they have a mendable heart, so when it hears 
the good news is comes transformed. So the parable itself is talking about Jesus teaching people about what it means or how people can be different in hearing and responding to his words. But as he's doing that, there's a big crowd, I imagine, in front of him, and some of them hear it and they think, well, that's a cool story, or that's not even a cool story, that's just a weird story. And others will hear it and think, what kind of soil am I? This is about me. Like, I want to be good soil. I want to be receptive to God and his, what God has to say. Um, and in that sense, what he's teaching becomes demonstrated immediately in the response of the people in front of him. And that's not a, like a, it's not a coincidence. It's not something that just happens, whatever. It's, it's by design, it's by intent. Um, that's why Jesus chooses parables to teach that way, rather than just saying to the people in the crowd, like, you've got to repent. Some of you will hate me for saying it. Some of you won't. And, I mean, if he did do that, then he'd be kind of justifying his wisdom. But he did in this situation. So, like kind of, you know, Martha Fitzgerald from Reddit, he, some people just hate it. They hate hearing the good news, okay? So we asked them the question, so okay, why the parable? Like, why is that beneficial? Why is that better in this situation than just telling people the essence of like, some of you will hear it and not respond, some of you will hear it and that you, you will respond. And we didn't have to think very hard. His disciples literally asked him, so why the parables? Um, so let's read that part where his disciples asked him to see what Jesus had to say about it. He wants to read again. <laughs> have a very reading voice. So. Okay, 10 to 16. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. Yeah, so a couple of things, like, yeah, disciples ask Jesus, and this part is directly in between the part where Jesus says the parable, and the other part we read before where he then explains it. They go, why, why do you say it like that? What, how come the parables, I mean, this is not the only parable Jesus teaches, the parables, um, it's a feature of the way he teaches. So a couple of points that I've kind of just summarized to, for us to think about and kind of reflect on and take home from that little part we just read. Um, the first is that, you know, first thing Jesus says is that hearing and understanding 
God's um, word is a blessing. Okay, it's not something to be taken for granted. It's not something to assume that it's like whatever, because I have it in my brain. It's it's a blessing from God, and it's something we should cherish and seek after, um, seek more knowledge of God, and and He will give that. Okay. The other next the other thing was that Jesus um, speaking and teaching in parables places the responsibility on the recipient. So when Jesus speaks in parables like that, it places some of the, some responsibility on the person listening as to how they would respond. Um, if you wish to find God, you can't, you will. But if you want to reject him, there's going to be nothing profound at all in a parable for you. And I was speaking to Dave about this and he gave me a really good example that parables like a whisper you only hear it if you lean in and listen for it um, and that's that's why so for Jesus it was kind of a, a tool a selective tool um, where he was saying it to all but really speaking to some and that that group were the ones who wanted to actually hear what he had to say um, and he says he, he literally calls them the ones who had ears to hear. Um, and I think one thing as well that I always used to kind of struggle with is like, why be so cryptic if like, everyone should really understand it? But it's not. Um, you know, Jesus didn't speak in parables to be more cryptic and make things like code them, um, but rather he, he used examples and allegories from people his, the crowd's daily life. He didn't talk in abstracts, you know, kind of the, the farmers, the bakers, the random, you know, I don't know, the builders, they all got to hear very significant truths in their own language. So rather than it be cryptic, it was simple, it was effective um, to the ones who had ears to hear. Um, and I, when I was kind of looking into, you know, what commentaries had to say about this, I found, you know, another perspective that was interesting is that um, the view of, you know, Jesus also concealing, I don't know if David can help me with this, but concealing the truth from um, those who were set on rejecting him to kind of, in, in his mercy, to prevent them from... Um, from like being more hardened, yes, in, um, because the context of Jesus' teaching was, you know, this Pharisee-driven like rejection of Jesus and whatever he had to say, and people were coming to him looking for ways to reject him or looking for ways to call him out or whatever. And in his mercy, he would speak in this way so that it would really only make sense to those who had used to hear and it would just mean nothing to those who specifically didn't want to understand um, but yeah um, the whole idea was that it's meant to challenge whoever's listening um, rather than just tell them as well like this is what I'm saying to you so this is about 
all I have to say. Does anyone have any thoughts or questions or anything they'd like to add to the table? Like I said, it was short and quick, but it is good for us to understand why, because so much of Jesus' teaching is in this form, in parables. What do you guys think? Any thoughts? So, um, the question that I kind of general had, the reason I'm putting it out there is because it was one of the things that I, when I was looking at this, I was like, that makes kind of no sense. And I think if I was thinking it, you guys were probably all thinking, or some of you. Um, I'm gonna read it how I tried to word it, but I think it's really bad. So I'm gonna read it, explain it, and then you guys can split off. So, how do you reconcile the, reconcile the role of the individual in understanding Jesus' teaching with the role of the spirit in revealing these truths to the individual. Does that make sense to anyone? Yes, I can. I'm going to repeat it once and explain it again. So how do you reconcile the role of the individual in understanding Jesus' teaching with the role of the Spirit to reveal these truths to the person? What's the balance? What's the relationship? What's the tension between some of the responsibility to understand being on the hearer and the recipient to lean in and listen and the spirit which reveals stuff that only the spirit can not saying I have answers oh, this was my question I have questions spit up there is answers so but 